Welcome into another episode of the Trevor Staub Show. Today, we have a very special guest. We are joined by the 2023 DDO champion, Parker Welk, the guy who came out of nowhere. So we're going to talk to Parker all about that rise to a win at an Elite Series event. Let's hop right into it. All right, we have a very special guest today. We're welcoming onto the show the new 2023 DDO champion, Parker Welk. Thank you so much for joining the show, Parker. Thanks for having me. It's going to be so much fun. I already know it. Yeah, man. Super excited to have you on. I think it's super funny. Like I was literally just at Huntington Beach, uh, out on the West Coast, like in kind of your stomping grounds. And then right after that, you win. And everybody's like, you were you were just at like everybody from that area knew you, like knew about you already. Uh, so it was like such a coincidence that we were there like right before that happened. And a funny story is I was actually there trying to win that thousand dollars. It got hit. I was the okay. very next person in line. So somebody told me that obviously, um, we didn't know you personally. Like we had, so for those of you listening who don't know, we had this, uh, ACE bounty event going down on, uh, at the Huntington beach course. And then somebody afterwards told us, Hey, like, like we obviously watched you win DDO. And then somebody told us and they're like, yeah, you know, Parker was there. Right. And I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like really? Was he? Like, we're gonna have to look back at the footage. Like, I don't know if I remember. Like, I know there were a couple good throwers there. So, okay, did you come close? How many throws did you have? I I threw two. My first throw went probably five hundred feet past the basket. Um, completely airballed, okay. nowhere close. And then my second one was pretty close. I was just ripping sidearms. I only had one disc at my house. So I went out and played with that. Um, but okay. didn't really get close. Okay, that's crazy. We'll we'll definitely have to make sure to feature your throws in the video whenever it comes out because like yeah, we didn't obviously we didn't know you yet, so like we weren't like looking out for it, but that's so funny that you were literally there uh and then won the next weekend. I guess that was the good luck charm. Um but that's that's crazy. Uh, it would have been even crazy if you would if you would hit the ace bounty and then went on and win. Um so Parker, before we hop into your DDO victory, uh I just want to like kind of start by getting a little bit of context for our listeners about your disc golf journey. Obviously, you really you've been on tour all year, but you really jumped onto everybody's radar with the win at DDO. Uh everybody kind of knows your name now. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, where disc golf started for you and uh kind of your progression and how you started in the game. Yeah, so disc golf for me, it's kind of it's kind of always been there in my life. Parker is an actual disc golf name. I know a lot of people were wondering about it, and I think I was named Parker specifically for disc golf. My dad's always been a disc golfer, and I think uh, my parents' second date or something was actually on a disc golf course. Um, and so I kind of just started throwing sidearms uh, with like whatever it was, uh, an AVR probably, that my dad gave me when I was like four years old, and just kind of progressed in until I was uh, good enough to get like tens on a hole instead of playing from my dad's drive or something like that. And uh, the rest was kind of just history. The disc golf has always been there for me. It's always been, you know, we've had discs in the car. We've had discs in the house. We had some baskets in our backyard. It's always just kind of been around in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's cool hearing like, it used to be very, very rare for anybody to grow up in disc golf, really. But as the sport has grown, it's certainly becoming more common to see people that have been able to find the sport from a young age. I remember when I started playing disc golf at like 13 years old, so many people were like, you're so lucky to find the sport at this age. Like I started when I was 40 and it's and it's becoming more common. Also, very cool that Parker 
uh, is a, a disc golf themed name and, and the commentators need to catch on to that. I'm not sure if they were doing a good enough job uh, because that is, that is a pretty electric disc golf nickname. So obviously you became pretty skilled at disc golf. Uh, you, you flirted with the tour in the past. You've played some pro tour events in years leading up to this year, but what made you decide that this year is the year you're really going to go for it and commit to a full touring season? Well, this year I had the option. I, I applied for that silver pass and I, I got it. I was so surprised I actually got it. Did not think that I was going to get it. And once I got it, I had the option of picking four different elite events and all the silver events I could already go to. So I chose four of the hardest events I could possibly find. And then I was able to sign up um, the, to the other events just based on rating. Yeah. So I, I was just, I just dove straight into it. I mean, I, I've never really done anything like this before and it, it kind of just worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Super awesome. Getting to use that pass to get on tour and, and definitely has paid off at this point. Uh, so as you're signing up for those events and kind of getting your feet wet, what were your original expectations for what you wanted to accomplish on tour? Did you have any specific goals? Yeah, I had one specific goal. It was just to get top 80 so I could get the tour pass for next year. Um, that okay. was kind of the only thing that I, I really wanted to do. And it's easy now. I, I already got it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So before, before this past event, um, and getting that win, did you feel like, were you starting to kind of feel the nerves and the pressure of co committing to that goal? Like what were your thoughts on your season leading up to DDO? Well, I started pretty well and then kind of towards the, the middle of it, it got kind of weird for me. It, the putter just wasn't working. It felt just uncomfortable in my hands. There was nothing I could really do about it. I was going back and forth with grips and eventually I kind of just changed a putting style at the cascade and I thought it looked ridiculous, but it was going in the basket. So I kind of worked with it and, um, I got to the point where it was comfortable and I started doing it consistently at Portland open. And then I went to take a week off and that's where I hung out with you guys for that one day. And, yeah. um, here we are. Yeah, that's it, it. Sometimes it can be just a just a change like that. Um, when you got to DDO, obviously, I've heard mixed things on like different pros, like on the on the weekend that they have such a great weekend. Some of them say they practiced amazing. Some of them say they practiced really bad. What was practice like for you? Could you feel it in the air that this was going to be a good weekend for you, or was it just kind of any other practice? Well, I was pretty rusty because the only the only disc I threw was at your thing at Huntington beach. I threw two discs the whole, the whole week and a half I was gone. I actually flew in on Thursday to play one practice round and it was not a very good practice round, Okay, um, but it, it, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, sure enough. I, and I hear that a lot is like, sometimes, you know, people have not great practice se sessions and it has nothing to do with what the final result is. What do you feel like at this event? So you had played, multiple events leading up to this, some decent finishes for sure. But what was it that just clicked for you out there that was just different than before that was finally falling in place? Well, well, like I said, with my putting, the grip has just been so uncomfortable for me and just awful. And I think that was such a, such a huge factor uh, into winning this event was making pretty much all of my putts. I had a few uh, dead center spit outs, but those happen and you can't complain about them. They're good putts. But other, other than that, it's, it's kind of just a little bit of luck and some, sometimes magic happens. Yeah, certainly. Do you feel like 
especially with your uh, body of work at this point with like some sporadic finishes and now a win, do you feel like so much of golf is just everything falling into place at once? Like that's such a big part of the game. Yeah. You have to have everything at once if you want to win. Um, but you can, you can get good finishes if you, you know, if, if one thing's off, but you cannot win unless everything is cooking. Yeah, certainly. It certainly seems that way, especially with the field getting so deep at this point. Um, so as you're going through the event, obviously putting up solid round after solid round. Um, but you know, this was new territory for you competing for a win. At what point in the event did you seriously think to yourself, you know what, I have a real chance to take this down. Is it like right after round one or is it not until the final round? Um, well, after round one, I was, I think I was sitting one back, I believe. And I think it was 10 to, I shot 10 and 11 was lead. And I made a post, uh, about like, let's make magic happen. Kind of just like jokingly. Yeah. And then I went out and I played that round and I shot super hot again. And it was just crazy. I couldn't believe it. Uh, everything was working, but it didn't really feel like I was just trying way too hard. Just things were falling into place for me. Um, yeah. but it wasn't until and you could see my, my, my whole demeanor change. Um, I think I told someone else that it was after I hit my, my eagle putt to take the lead, but it was actually right when Calvin hit the tree. Um, I yeah. went from smiling and being happy, and my face was just dead. Um, yeah. it, just, it was crazy. I was going to say, because you know, the whole 14 there playing from you're playing from behind against Calvin essentially, which is basically do whatever you can and hope that he messes up, which is so rare. And you're definitely not expecting a mistake on that hole. How difficult was it to adjust going from, okay, I just need to keep pushing to all of a sudden now I have a lead and I can, I can coast this thing out. You know, how much weight was that on you? It was a ton of weight for that specific hole. But after yeah. I hit that eagle putt, there was no weight. I was playing my game. I was just coasting to the win. It, it just felt like I couldn't do any wrong. Yeah. I, well, I could tell when I knew you were going to win was when you stepped up to 16 and threw like a high Annie flex line on that hole. Was there ever any thought of going with a different line on that shot? Like what were you nervous about throwing kind of a flex line on that hole? Or was that always the game plan? And did you have full confidence executing that? Oh, that's funny. Uh, on Thursday, I was originally throwing an M2, like a low hyzer, and I ended yeah. up throwing that into the tree on the right, and it fell directly in the water, and that was my game plan. So okay. I, I went out to, I went out and grabbed my A5, and I posted a reel with that same A5, throwing that exact same shot, and the reel, I landed two feet away, and then on Friday, I landed probably 20 feet away, and then Saturday, yeah. landed like 15 feet away and then Sunday put it to like 10 feet. So it was working and I'm not going to argue with results. Yeah. I mean, that certainly, it certainly helps when you can build some confidence in that shot. I, I, I remember seeing it come out of your hand and I was just like, Oh my gosh, like he's throwing such an aggressive line. <laughs> um, but that, that is at that point I was like, yeah, I think, I think he's going to win because if he can throw that shot under pressure, then, and he should be good. A five. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know what disc it was. I was definitely curious. Um, so, with this win now, you know, grabbing a win on tour, what does that do to your confidence as far as like before on tour, you know, you have some decent finishes, but there's a difference between taking a top 25 and being the top of the leaderboard. What do you think that's going to do for your game now, knowing that you do have the tools to win on tour? You could do this any given week. Um, how is that going to affect your game? Well, I think, I think I was a huge symbol for hope and, and I think it's not just my game. I think it's going to be a lot of other people's games. Um, all the other players that are a hundred, even like 80 and up, 
they have a chance and now they know that they have a chance that now that they see someone else has done it. But for me personally, it's, it, it's just gonna, I mean, it definitely is a confidence boost, but it's not like, Oh, I, I'm going to win. It's like, Oh, I can win now. Yeah. No, it was certainly, that was one of the first things I said was like somebody like you that was, you know, lower down in the world rankings at that point, getting a win basically shows that, Hey, the pro tour field is strong enough that somebody outside of the top hundred can win, which means anybody inside of that 100, you know, could win. And it just changes all the perspective for those players that are all kind of battling in the position that you were And It's, and certainly, like you said, a beacon of hope almost for them. Um, one thing I really liked was, you know, in your final interview, you made a comment about your win percentage on U disc going into the final round being like less than 1%. Was that kind of just, you know, playing it for the camera or is there a real chip on your shoulder? Like actually seeing that percentage and being like, you know what, that's a little ridiculous no I, I i saw that in the hotel the night before and i was like dude that is so whack why would they do that i'm, <laughs> I'm two strokes off <laughs> yeah okay yeah i mean it those percentages have always been a little dramatic um i'm glad you've added some new precedent to them to say hey even though he's never won before he may be further down the world rankings this still can happen so we'll see if they get uh a little more um sensitive in that regard uh another thing i was wondering was as somebody who is battling down the stretch and we hear so many things, I mean, literally, I think Haley King who won the DDO and the FPO division mentioned something about not really paying attention to the live scoring. We hear all kinds of opinions on that. How often are you checking the live scoring in that final round, knowing that you're in a tight battle? Um, I checked it. The first time I checked it was after whole, whole, whole nine, no whole 10. It was right when, uh, um, uh, Alden threw his second shot straight out of bounds on hole 10. Mm, I, okay. I checked the live scoring and I was like, whoa, dude, I'm already ahead of these guys. That I had no idea. I thought we were all tied, but I'm, I'm eight under and these guys are like five under, six under. What the yeah. heck? And, uh, <laughs> and that was really cool. cool. Cool to see that I was ahead and I was doing work and I just wanted to keep it going. I didn't want it to affect me. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I definitely hear a lot of times people will you know, keep the live scores out of their head until it becomes a little more of a decision-making time. Um, do you feel like your game plan had to change it all down the stretch, especially on those last few holes, or it was just kind of push, 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 and play your game? That's how I wanted to play, dude. The cameras are on me. I love when the cameras are on me. I'll be extremely aggressive when the cameras are on. So that's uh, that was kind of my game plan, was to always go for the eagle. It was always to just rip those shots, even on hole eight, um, throwing it out of bounds. I'm still going to go for it. Nice. Yeah, I, I like that. I definitely love the aggressive play. I think that you and Silas Schultz might have the most aggressive forehand run-ups uh, in tour history. Uh, I'd be curious to see um, who covers more distance. Um, I, somebody in the office the other day was saying it was, he doesn't know how you can generate as much power as you do on that forehand, or accuracy, rather, uh, with such a large run-up. Have you always taken such a big run-up into your forehand? Is that something you kind of developed? Um, I don't think it's so much of a run up as a follow through. I'm like flying myself off the tee pad. And I think that's what a lot of people see, but the run up, yeah. I, I don't have to take that huge run up. Um, I can start from pretty much anywhere. It's just, I'm always going to be throwing my body into the, into the disc. Cause I'm a small dude, man. You got to generate that power somehow. Hey, I, I totally understand. I, a lot of people are calling you the James Conrad forehand, which I think is uh, a perfect comparison there. So you grab a win at DDO, you're a proven winner on tour. How are you trying to kind of 
convert that momentum and take that into your next event? Like, what is your mindset at right now as you're trying to continue that magic on in your season? I'm just trying to trying to be at that level where to tell myself, you know, I'm that guy, um, and I need to yeah. to stay that guy. Uh, so I've been putting in a little bit extra practice at this course, um, a lot more putting, a lot more like actually figuring out where to land uh, on this course, especially with all these blind shots. Um, but yeah. it's I think it's going to be a good weekend. Certainly, well, that's great to hear. Describe for me what it was like, you know, grabbing that win. I mean, I've just looking at your social following; I've seen it climb a ton. But what was it like, see, having all that stuff blow up your phone at once? You know, getting all the new followers, people texting you. Was it just like surreal seeing all that happen? It was wild. I mean, it felt like my phone was just ringing right, right when yeah. I won. So I'm like going to answer the phone. And it's just like ding, 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 ding. And uh, yeah. all this Instagram notifications, Facebook notifications, texts from my friends. Um, it, it was wild. It really was. I had to like take a break for a minute and kind of just hang out with the, the real friends uh, yeah. and uh, come back to it later. Yeah, certainly, certainly can be overwhelming. Do you feel any nerves at all about like entering everybody's radar, so to speak, and kind of having being known now, like before you kind of had that underdog advantage, to, so to speak, um, or are you kind of ready to accept that, you know, like you said, you know, I'm going to be that guy, I'm just going to assume, you know, the player that I know that I can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still an underdog, but I, I definitely have a lot of potential. It's just I, I haven't really played any of these courses yet, and I'm thinking you know maybe next year I'll be more of a more of a factor in in the tour. But for now, I think I still I still am an underdog, but I do have the potential to win. Yeah, certainly, and yeah, like you mentioned, it is it is huge having that just gained experience playing those courses. Um, so the final question I have for you: When we went to Huntington Beach, we noticed they have the shack there that sells discs and on the door, they had a whole bunch of uh, accomplishments by Huntington beach locals. Namely Paul Macbeth is on there quite a few times. Do you think that this win is going to earn you a spot on the shack at Huntington beach? Man, I hope so. Uh, I don't think (laughs) Jeff and Ryan are watching right now. They're the owners of West coast disc golf that run that shop, but maybe they will. Uh, I claim Huntington beach. So my name should be up there. That'd be really cool if they did that. I, I think you certainly deserve it. I think it would be a great uh, a great place to be recognized. It was, it was very cool seeing that there and seeing Paul's name on there. So I think it'd be cool to have you on. Well, in any case, Parker, um, thanks for giving me your time tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, wishing you the best of luck at your next event, and hopefully you can kind of continue the magic. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. All right. Thanks again, Parker, for joining the show. Uh, Really awesome talking to him, wishing him the best of luck in the upcoming Des Moines Challenge. It's going to be interesting to see if he can carry over that momentum and some of that magic. He certainly seems like he has the confidence and skills to do so. We'll see you next time with another episode.